Hi friends. As I record this episode, it is Valentine's Day and no matter how you're celebrating, me personally, I think Valentine's Day is a hallmark holiday and every day should be Valentine's Day, but that's just me. Anyway, I want you to think about self-love for a moment. Are you living the life you want to? A few episodes ago, we talked about getting unstuck in our lives, and I love that episode with Becky Vollmer. This episode, the one we have today, was an unplanned but perfect follow-up to that. Today, we have a memoirist on the show. We don't often do memoirists on the show, but we actually have two back-to-back this month, which is very exciting. So she felt stuck, and she actually did something about it, which so few of us actually do something about it. She embarked on her what if year, as she called it, where she left behind the stability and comfort of her day-to-day life for a whirlwind of a year on the cusp of her 40th birthday. This is a conversation you won't want to miss. And as love is in the air today, I hope we all love ourselves enough to take big and bold risks like this, to say what if and go for it. Our guest today is Alicia Fernandez Miranda, a respected authority on women's empowerment, social impact, and sustainability. She is the chair and former CEO of IG Advisors, an award-winning social impact intelligence agency that consults with the world's biggest nonprofits, foundations, and corporations on their philanthropy and social initiatives. Her clients include heavy hitters like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Ford Foundation, and UN Women. So as we'll talk about today, at the beginning of 2020, Alicia paused her high-powered career to pursue a series of internships. Yes, I said that correctly. She went from being a CEO to an intern on Broadway with contemporary art dealer Blaine, fitness studio Retro Glow, and in the kitchen of the Kinlock Lodge. That's a hilarious part of the story that I love. In addition to my What If Year, she is co-author of 50 Years Kinlock Lodge. We'll talk about that on the show later. And her writing has been featured in Vogue, Business Insider, Romper, Huffington Post, among many others. She is a graduate of Harvard University and the London School of Economics and currently lives in Scotland with her husband and her twins. So get ready to be inspired by her gutsy leap into living the life of her dreams. Alicia, I'm so glad you're here. I think your book is going to touch so many lives and listeners. I want to tell you right now, caveat, I am sick right now and I can hear it in my voice. If you are a longtime listener, you probably can hear it in my voice as well, but I wasn't going to cancel this interview because I had to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on when you're sick. I hope to send some good healing vibes through the airwaves. So much. I was giving you contagious coughs across the miles a few minutes ago. (laughs) So hopefully that will stop. I cough FOMO. No, I think I'm good now. (laughs) You don't want this. You don't want this. There's no no FOMO over here, but I just am so excited to have this conversation because this is a dream that I've had of just, I mean, I think we all have it to some degree, just leaving our normal day-to-day lives and going out there and just doing something different for a little bit. And you reached a point that many do. As you were nearing 40, you felt stuck. We actually had an episode on feeling stuck a few weeks ago about how to get unstuck. So this is a problem that many feel. And you write of your life at the time, what else? I didn't know, but really maybe anything else. I had fallen into a life that was not what I wanted and I couldn't see any way to escape from it without tossing a live grenade 
into the carefully constructed world I had built for myself and my family. So can you take us back to that place and what you were doing professionally and personally and how you felt in that season? Absolutely. So I'm going to flash you back to those beautiful days of early 2019 when, uh, we didn't know what COVID was and it was, uh, you know, well, it was, it was, uh, it was still a time, but, um, it's, it, I think of my life like before and after chunks now from this one very, very memorable night of drinks I had with two of my best friends, uh, college roommates. And we were kind of having this girls weekend and, you know, at the time, everything on paper looked perfect. I had gone to a good college and a great graduate school, things that I had really wanted to achieve. I had taken a successive series of, uh, you know, jobs with more responsibility and higher pay. And I was working in uh, the kind of social impact and corporate philanthropy space. So helping people give away their money and companies do more good and be less bad. Um, so, you know, my job had purpose and I was CEO. I was running a consulting firm that I had built with my husband uh, from the ground up. And, you know, I was living this like London life on a little square with my twins and my French bulldog and everything was sort of as it was supposed to be. And yet nothing felt as it should be and nothing mm -hmm. felt right. And I had this really kind of ongoing nagging sense of dissatisfaction. I tried to like, you know, fill it with hobbies and being more busy and taking on more responsibilities. But by the time that I had drinks with these two girls, you know, I was at a point where I was really feeling very stuck, as you said, and not sure what, what was next for me, what else there was, and just really, really feeling down about it. And so- like floated this idea by them uh, that I had had coming out of various musicals that I had seen and loved. I've always loved musical theater. And, you know, I said, God, you know, I would just love to like be part of a musical. I would do anything they asked me to, if I could just sit in on rehearsals and know what it was like. And I, when I say anything, I seriously mean anything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so we started having this conversation. They're like, oh, yeah, you could be an intern. I was like, oh, could be an intern. And then, you know, we we collectively made our lists, uh, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, what would we do? You know, uh, on Laura's list, there was like, she'd be an architect and uh, work for local government. Rebecca wanted to be a producer on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I thought about marine biology and magazine journalism, art, obviously musicals. And, you know, the next morning after we kind of had slept off our martini high, <laughs> we kept talking about it. And, uh, you know, my friend Rebecca said to me offhand, she was like, yeah, you should, you should really do this and you should write a book about it. And so that was the seed of this idea. It then took me, you know, eight months of like being like, no, I couldn't possibly do it. No, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Oh, maybe I should do it. Mm, could I do it? Could I maybe do it? No, I couldn't do it. And going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until I really got to this point um, in August of 2019, where I was like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm blocking the time off in my calendar. And I made this grand plan. I wanted to do four to five internships over 2020. I was going to take these kind of like mini sabbaticals from my work and my life mm -hmm. to go and have these experiences. And, you know, it's all laid out very neatly until it absolutely wasn't. But well, that we'll was the there. original plan. <laughs> we'll get there. And, you know, we were just talking a minute ago. I have actually thought of this myself. Like I have three internships that I would now these are this is a few years old so they've they've aged and I don't know if I would do the same today I haven't thought about it in a while but 
I've thought the same thing. What if I could just walk away and just do kind of, cause I never did an internship in college, which sounds ridiculous now. I don't know why I never did that, but I, I never studied abroad and I never did an internship in college. And, and so if I could do it again, you know, I think all of us kind of have our plan of where, what we would do and where we would go. And I feel like many of us have, have been where you were or some variation of it. And I want to quote you from the book, because I love reading your words back to you because they're better than I could ever say it. But <laughs> you write over and over. I heard the same tiny question in my head. Is this it? It wasn't that I didn't have enough or even that I didn't have everything I wanted. The problem was that I did have everything I wanted or that I thought I wanted that I had worked towards so arduously and for so long. Everything that everyone I respected in my life, especially my parents and grandparents before me, had hoped I would have. But what if this was all I was ever going to achieve? Was I finished trying new things, having new experiences, getting those butterflies in my tummy when I was nervous about pushing my own boundaries? I worried that I had made all the big decisions I was going to make. That is such a powerful line, Alicia. Took the big risks and that everything was going to be the same from Mm. here on out. That is so relatable. But then comes the guilt. So you write, as soon as I allowed myself to spiral down that rabbit hole of misery, I immediately felt painfully and viscerally guilty, poor, privileged, spoiled brat, miserable because she got what she wanted. And now she wants more. How dare I, after everything that had been sacrificed for me to get where I was, I felt awful and then felt awful for feeling awful. So why do we do this to ourselves, Alicia? Why do we feel guilty for wanting more? Because I think all of us have come to a point in our lives where we say, is this it? Is this maybe I've made, you know, I think after you get married and have children and are in the big job, the big corporate job that you want to be in what is there to look forward to? And, and that, and again, like I can see where someone can say, oh, well, woe is me, poor me. I've got everything Mm. I've ever wanted, but there is truth to that. And I appreciate you sharing that, that vulnerability and that truth. Why do we feel guilty for wanting more out of life? I mean, it's amazing kind of hearing those words read back to me because they they really take me back to that time and those feelings and those those really you know kind of dark feelings of oh god this is awful i want something else and oh god i feel so guilty because i want something else and the back and forth you know at at least from my own perspective i think that i had gotten to this place where it almost felt like everything i was doing was like defined by my obligations to other people and those were things i had chosen i chose to get married i chose to have children i chose to take on a big job and so, so, you know, I had, I had so many kind of ties and strings that this idea that I could go and do something that was just for me and for no reason except my own personal and maybe professional development, but like maybe not, maybe this was just going to be mm-hmm. this thing I really wanted to try and there wasn't going to be an outcome and there wasn't going to be, you know, a grand story at the end and it wasn't going to launch my career into a new place. Maybe it was just going to be something I did just for myself. And that felt very transgressive. And I think a lot of people feel that way when we get to a certain age, like, right, we've had our fun. We did our twenties, you know, that was all, all well and good. And now it's time to buckle down, settle down and, you know, make sure that you are responsible to others. And so, you know, I think, I think that feeling sits. I mean, the other thing I thought about when you were kind of, you know, talking through that, Rachel is, 
I think like the previous generation, when I think of my parents' generation, you know, that was their working life. Like that was the path, right? You graduated college in a degree that was going to lead you to a job that was related to your degree. And then you went and did that until you hit 65 and you got the gold watch and you left the factory floor and you retired. And there was kind of this idea that like, that's what your working life should be. And you can do all the stuff you want to do after you retire, because that's the time for pursuing your passions and pleasures when you've put in the work. And that was really ingrained in me. Like that's supposed to be the thing that we do. And I want to do something different. And I feel really bad about it. And I do think a lot of people maybe grew up, you know, with a similar mentality. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I just, I think that we're so afraid to ask for more and we're so afraid to just not be, and it doesn't mean that you're not appreciative of the life that you have. But there, if you want more, you've got to chase that. And I want to, I'm, this, this episode is going to be a lot of me quoting you because it's such a beautiful memoir. We don't often have memoir, memoirists on the show, which we should have more often because these stories are beautiful. A lot of the, a lot of the people we have on here are, are how to's and health and wellness and music. It was just different. It's just about different topics, but mm. I love the introspection on the self here. And so I want to read another passage you write, but here I was with a problem I couldn't solve and the fear, the cold gripping terror that I would never be able to solve it, that I would always feel unhappy that my days of challenges and excitement at the prospect of waking up in the morning to start a new day were over was real and ever present. So you ask the pivotal question, what would you do if you could do anything you ever dreamed for a few months? And you chose, as you said a minute ago, to become an intern of all things. So <laughs> how, so you kind of, you kind of talked about it, your, your night with margaritas and your girlfriends, but you know, walk us through how you got to this decision. It's one thing to talk about it over margaritas with girlfriends. It's another thing to actually do it. So how did you decide, okay, I am going to do this. So, I mean, you know, I really, I really did have like a very introspective long period of convincing myself that it couldn't be done and then thinking maybe it could be done and really sitting on it, which is not like me. I'm like a very decisive person normally. When I say I want to do something, I do it. And I was, I was just going back and forth and back and forth. And we were on summer vacation. Uh, the kids were out of school. I was sitting with my husband having coffee in the morning and I was crying, which like had become my morning habit. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh my God, just stop. You know, just do it. He was like, what is stopping you from doing this? No one is saying that you have to leave everything behind. No one is saying you have to, you know, like quit your job and go run off and go surfing in Bali. Like, just block a month off in your calendar. That's the only thing you have to do. Do this one thing, block this time off and say, this is going to be the time that I'm going to do it. And then, you know, you put the Alicia machine in action. Like you start working towards that goal. And it was the kind of kick in the pants that I needed. So I got up from our coffees. I went to my computer. I looked how far in advance I would have to, you know, schedule to actually have nothing in my calendar for a whole month. It looked like February, 2020. And I just put it in there. I put Alicia out of office and Mm. that felt okay. Now I'm going to do this. At the very least, I'm going to do one internship. I'm going to see if I can get more. And so I started to think about what jobs would I want to do? You know, what had I always dreamed of? I had my list, obviously, you know, it included some of the things that I did end up doing that you read about in the book, like Mm -hmm. art and musicals. And it included a load of other things that didn't end up happening, like working for Disney and marine biology and, you know, all these things that I had always loved. And then I just started 
stalking people on Google and LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who I knew that knew anybody that knew anybody who would be able to get me some kind of foot in the door in any of these fields. And I think originally I like very naively thought that by having a really good resume, redid my resume, hadn't done that in years, wrote a really humble cover letter talking about I'm going through this like pre-midlife crisis and I want to explore new career paths. And, you know, I'm willing to work for free and I'm willing to do anything you ask me to at all, if you just give me this opportunity, you know, I thought people would be like jumping at the chance to hire me and no, nobody did. (laughs) Nobody, most people did not even respond to my emails. It was hard for you to get these unpaid internships. What is, I I never, I was like flat out ghosted. I want all these people to read the book and be like, oh, we really should have hired that girl. (laughs) Right. Oh, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And then, but then of course, eventually you find the right fit and so begins your year of internship. So this passage is likely the inspiration for the book's title, but what if it had been a long, long time since I'd let myself indulge in something as distracting and as magical as a what if. So what is the magic in the question? What if? No, I think what if is like a double-edged question because part of the title of the book was thinking about those really exciting, unknown, blank page kind of what ifs. And the other was the poem that I have a bit of in the epigraph of the book, which is Shel Silverstein's mm-hmm. uh, What Ifs. And that poem, which I have always loved since I was a kid, talks about the what ifs that come into your ear at night and the the not nice ones, the nasty ones that are saying, you know, what if this horrible thing happens and I die and the plane crashes and whatever, you know, all of these really anxiety-ridden things that kind of go through our heads. And so I think that the magic of a what-if is that unknown bit. Mm -hmm. It could be either of those things. And it's that very sweet possibility of something that you can't predict and that you don't know exactly how it's going to end. And it had been a long time since I had put myself in a situation where I wasn't the person in the room who felt, you know, I was a consultant for heaven's sakes. Like my job was to help people solve all their problems and tell them what to do. You know, I had not been in a situation where I didn't know how it was going to end, where I didn't know what the answer was, where I let myself just dream for a little while. And I think that unknown is what terrifies people about what ifs, but also what makes them so incredible to indulge in fantasizing about. Absolutely. And I want to pause here and shout out your incredibly supportive husband, Carlos. I think you would agree with me that this what if year would not have been possible without him. So how important is it to choose a partner that is supportive of your dreams? And how critical was that to this year for you? Rachel, he is immediately going to like put this podcast on all of his social media. He's going to be so happy to hear that. He's incredible. And so are you, but he is incredible. He is incredible. And, and, you know, I mean, it, it would not have been possible by any stretch of the imagination without him, because in, you know, in every way, our lives had been very intertwined since we were 22 and beyond, you know, like most couples where you obviously have children together and maybe you share financial responsibilities and all of that. We also ran a business together. So, you know, me stepping back from the business that we had started was going to mean him being there to be on call for the business, plus taking care of the kids and managing all the things that, you know, frankly, like a lot of moms, I think I had taken on the lion's share of the mental load and the organizing. And Mm -hmm. I felt like there was a lot he, you know, didn't know how to do without guidance. And he was so game. And every single time I doubted myself, he was the one that was like, 
stop, stop doubting yourself. This is going to work out. You know, when somebody ghosted me and I do, or I wrote, you know, to an internship, I thought I would be perfect for, and I got a form rejection or, you know, something didn't work out. And especially after the first internship, which was cut short because theaters closed and lockdown happened and COVID blew up. And, you know, I came home and was homeschooling and just being dealing with everything. And it would have been so easy to give up at that point. And Mm -hmm. Many, many times I thought about that. And he was there every time. Don't give up. What else can you do? Think about it. You know, let me, I'll I'll do this session of homeschool while you kind of reach out to these five people. I mean, at every step, he has just been so incredibly supportive of this process. And there's no way it would have happened without him. And I feel so lucky every day that I have a partner who is willing to step up and do that for me because, mm-hmm. you know, I would step up and do it for him in a second. And I feel like that is just such a blessing to have that kind of relationship. Well, I told you I'm sick. And so I'm raising my glass of cranberry juice <laughs> to you, Carlos. Cheer, three cheers to Carlos and to you and to all supportive partners. And I know that you you mentioned in there that COVID happens. Yes, we'll get there. We'll get there for sure. But I want to back up. So finally get some biters on the internships, you head off to Broadway. Did you ever feel like you had accomplished this dream? And what did it feel like to be doing it? Because Alicia, so few of us ever have the guts to just do it. I mean, all of us have dreams. Few of us actually go after them and chase them. And you did it. You went to Broadway from London for that matter. You were living in London at the time. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it wasn't like you were just in the city already and you were like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, hop over to Broadway and do this internship. This was across the Atlantic ocean internship. So what did it feel like to, to be doing it? How proud of yourself must you have been? It was better than I ever could have dreamed it would be. And I know that not all, you know, when you do finally realize a dream, I know they don't all always turn out like that. But I I just, it was like, I was like having pinch me moments all day long because I am such a, I'm such a fangirl. Like I'm a fan of a lot of things, but I'm really a fan of musicals. And I have, I have known about them. I have studied them. I have loved them my whole life. And this had been the thing, you know, of all the internships, Broadway was really the thing that I would dream about truly in my dreams. And so when I was in New York, you know, even as COVID is starting to rear its ugly head and I'm watching these like horrible news reports and Carlos is calling me, telling me he's like, you know, bought another case of black beans just in case we need it. And, you know, God Mm -hmm. knows what else. And, uh, you know, I, I started out in a very, very loud Airbnb and I wasn't sleeping. And, you know, I mean, they were like, like tiny little gnats that you could just flick away because I felt like I had this golden aura around me. Like I am doing the thing. And I just felt, I felt proud for sure, but I felt so grateful and like, I couldn't believe it was happening. And I was so desperate to hold on to every second of it because it was just, it was, it was all the things I had hoped it would be and more. And so God, talking about this now, I'm like, oh my God, I really need to go back and get another internship in the theater. Because- <laughs> what would you do now? Just think oh, thought about it? Man. Well, you know, I would, um, I did not get to, so I joined the productions, uh, you know, kind of in a, this shadowing slash internship capacity mm-hmm. when they were already in rehearsals. So I would love to see a, a much earlier stage of a show, like be involved in the casting and the workshopping. Um, you know, I think I could probably figure out 
how to produce. It's the most, the most businessy side of the theater, mm -hmm. um, with, you know, a little bit of guidance and help. So I would love to do that. Uh, I did join a, uh, Broadway choir when I moved to Edinburgh last year and I sang with them at the Fringe Festival last year. And so I'm getting my like artistic juices out that way, but okay. I'd love to see those other sides of the theater industry that happened a little bit earlier than Showtime. Well, I want to take you back to your time on Broadway. I think this passage is everyone's dream. You write, that night in a taxi home, I felt like I could finally respond to my barrage of texts from earlier. I sent one to my husband fast asleep in London that read, today was amazing. If this was it and I had to come home tomorrow, it would have all been worth it. So you took a risk. You did it. You stepped out and took a chance. And for all of those listening who are maybe afraid to do this, and, or are convincing themselves for a hundred different reasons that they can't do it. And it's not the right time. It's not the right, either you don't have enough money, whatever. Can you tell us how it feels on the other side of saying yes to yourself? Oh my God. It feels so good. Everybody should do it. I agree. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, I am a, I am a risk averse person by nature. I am not a, you know, throw caution to the wind and jump headfirst and just hope things work out at the end. Even when I was, when I didn't have kids, when I was not married, when I didn't have the, you know, financial responsibilities I have now, I, I, I've never been that kind of person. I am a planner and I am someone who likes to think through mm -hmm. things. And so I think that there is a path to, you know, exploring that thing that is keeping you up at night and making you question what if that doesn't have to involve, you know, this big, terrifying, giant leap. You know, I like to think about the fact that I, you know, I didn't, I didn't take this gigantic step forward. I took a whole bunch of really, really tiny steps mm -hmm. and all together and, you know, adding the additional ingredient of time, they came together. And then when I look back now, I think, God, I've come really, really far. And I'm very proud of that, yeah. but it did not happen overnight and it did not happen all at once. And I took time to make sure that, you know, there was a safety net in some way before I did these major things. That is just my personality. So, you know, it looks good. The view is good on the other side of saying yes to yourself, but also don't, you know, I think that doesn't necessarily feel like you have to go and do something major and drastic. You know, maybe it's just sign up for a night class of something that you're really interested in, or, you know, pick up a new hobby and find a group that is willing to do that. And you could do it on your lunch break or on the weekends. You know, there are so many ways to choose yourself and say yes to yourself, as you beautifully put that, you know, that don't require you to, as I said, as you quoted me, like throw a grenade into your whole life, you know, yeah, yeah. put a little, tiny little firecracker and then I hear you going. So you mentioned that this all started in, in the beginning of 2020. So anybody that's reading that goes, oh, she doesn't know. She doesn't know what's about to happen in March of 2020. Of course, COVID is coming. And you you alluded to this. You mentioned this a moment ago. COVID happens right in the middle of fulfilling your Broadway dream. You write, in the grand scheme of what was going on in the world, it was empirically a small setback. But now that I was confined to the four walls of my house, so you went back, spoiler alert, you went back to London after um, COVID canceled everything, including mm -hmm. Broadway, um, back to you juggling everything. But this time without the village of helpers and friends, it felt like the nail in the coffin of my dreams. No more internships, no more new adventures, no more exploring future career paths. I was just here hiding under the table or baking something that required at least four cups of sugar. 
I was going to be here forever. So I'm wondering, was it almost worse maybe to have a taste of your dream and then have it all snatched away from you? Do you know, I've thought so much over time of like how different this would have looked if it hadn't happened during the COVID year. Like if I had gotten my act together and dealt with all my emotional demons, you know, well early into 2019 and gotten a bunch of these under my belt before, you know, I, the truth is, I don't know. It was very, it was in, in and of itself, it was an amazing experience. And what I texted to my husband that night was true. Like if that was it, if that was the only thing I got to do, I would still be so grateful for that precious moment in time that I had, that I got to have, you know, as part of those two productions. And I would still, you know, I would be holding on to those, but certainly the feeling of coming crashing down and so spectacularly, I mean, into this brand new world where we literally could not leave our houses, you know, it was, it was, it was big. It was really, really big. And, you know, amidst all of these other horrible things that were going on and really, you know, in those early days of the pandemic, knowing very little about what it was and feeling like there was no roadmap and being very, very afraid of what things were going to look like. It seemed so ridiculous and selfish to be focused on this little project that I had started. But I just, you know, I knew, I knew I needed to hold on to it. I knew I needed to keep pushing forward. And I, you know, I I do, I think if I hadn't had the experience in New York and it hadn't been as amazing as it was, I might have given up entirely. But maybe because I had a taste of it, I was like, I got, I have to keep going. I have to keep going with this. Once I got out from under the table and <laughs> baked slightly less, I still kept baking throughout all of lockdown. So I find baking to be a little <laughs> therapeutic. I don't know about you. I'm cooking, not cooking is a chore and a hassle, but baking is very therapeutic for me, but that's a whole other podcast, but baking you were, and eating baked goods. Both oh, of those see, things. That's, I my very therapeutic. that's my problem is eating the baked goods. That's why I have to stop baking. So you were not deterred. So I want you to tell us what happened next and how the, what if year ended up. So I had a second internship lined up before COVID. I was going to go uh, do a work experience in the London headquarters of Christie's, the big auction house, Mm -hmm. in their post-war and contemporary team. And like total dream posting, you know, it was where Christie's was where Anne Hathaway went to like learn about uh, being an intern when she was... um, prepping for the Devil Wears Prada, which I was just like, okay, like this is, this is going to be a real internship experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was so, so psyched about that, especially, you know, I needed something amazing to come after this Broadway period. So that was supposed to happen in the spring of 2020. And, you know, as lockdown starts to progress, I get this email that basically says like, you know, sorry, but no one knows when we're going back into the office. Obviously, work experience people were not the highest priority on their list at the time. And so I was just, you know, I was feeling really dejected. And yet I felt like I just had to do something about it. And I was on Instagram, which is where I was spending a whole lot of my time not baking mm-hmm. and not under the table. And I came across an online workout of a friend of mine, Frankie Taylor, who had been uh, many moons ago, my personal trainer. I used to take dance classes with her and then she had become a friend and she was just doing fitness in her living room. And I was like, oh, all right, I, I see this. Okay, I you know, put the phone up on the table and started working out with her. 
And, you know, a couple of days later, I reached out to her and I said, is there any way that you would let me come and be your intern? I will do anything you want me to do. I obviously can't see you in person because we're not allowed to leave the house, but I can see that you're going through this like transition with your business. Let me help, you know, please, 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 please. And she said yes, which to her eternal, eternal credit, I'm always going to be grateful to her for that. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that internship in between homeschooling and trying to keep our business afloat and, you know, doing Zoom pub quizzes and whatever we were doing then to like share to keep ourselves sane. I started interning for Retro Glow Studios, which is her fitness company and mm-hmm. helping her figure out what it meant to be a, you know, a virtual fitness provider. So doing social media posts for her to kind of promote her to much wider markets than she had been used to when she was just teaching in London. And my favorite part, which was researching all of the different fitness offerings that were out there and taking classes and then filling out this really big spreadsheet for her, where Mm -hmm. I also put my opinion of every single class I took. I took maybe two dozen classes uh, in that period and they were all nuts and so much fun. That's amazing. So, you know, in the aftermath of it, what would you say is the biggest lesson you learned from this year? I think the thing that I have really taken with me and that I try to keep present and at the top of my mind every day is this idea that at least at this stage of my life, being kind of comfortable in what I'm doing, feeling like I'm not being challenged, like I'm not growing. You know, there are times when that is good. Um, Certainly when my twins were babies, that's what I needed professionally, but uh, that's not where I am right now. So I am constantly questioning myself, what can I do that scares me? What can I do that's going to help me learn something more? What can I do that's going to spark joy? And when opportunities present themselves, trying to evaluate them on that metric. Obviously, I still need to make money. So that's something that happens too. But really thinking, how can I push myself? How can I challenge myself? How can I learn from these experiences? And saying yes to stuff that I don't know if I'm going to be good at. I don't know in advance if I'm going to be able to do. You know, I've kept doing work with um, my uh, my third internship was with a contemporary art dealer, uh, Harry Blaine, and I'm still working with him. And constantly, I mean, like on a weekly basis, Harry asked me to do something and I'm like, well, I've never done it before. I don't know if I'm going to be able to figure it out, but I'm sure is that going to try. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like my, that's my MO right now with my life. And I really am so grateful for those internship experiences for reminding me that the end game doesn't have to be, you know, getting to this top and then finishing, but like actually continuing to climb, keep pushing, keep challenging myself and trying to find those opportunities to learn and to grow. And so that's really what I've taken with me. Well, to that end, I love this passage. You write, I learned that where I'd set my limits was sometimes arbitrary and that ultimately it really was me who was creating those limits. I didn't know much about what the next chapter of my life would hold, but I knew I needed to embody the spirit of being an intern in whatever I did, be adaptable, learn to fail, be okay with not being the best, let go of the plan sometimes, and above all, listen, learn, and find joy in every day. So I'm just wondering what you think of those words, your words, as you hear them read back to you. I think, good job, my editors, on making me sound so smart now. Oh, please. That's <laughs> all. Oh, man. You know what? I, I, I'm actually, it makes me really proud to hear those words be. because be. I wrote them a long time, you know, well over a year ago, and I feel like I'm still doing that. I feel like I'm still taking those lessons to heart, and I feel like I have 
put in a lot of effort to try to build a career that is based on those principles and not just a career, but like my life, you know, doing things that I find terrifying on a regular basis, joining this choir. I took up stand up paddle boarding recently. Like I'm so bad at that. I have no balance and <laughs> the water is very cold here in Scotland. So, you know, falling in is, is not fun, uh-huh. but it's really exhilarating. And you know, I, I, I do, I feel proud hearing those words back because I'm like, yeah, I said I was going to do that. And that is what I'm trying to do. So long may it last that I continue to be able to embody the spirit of the intern in what I do. Amen. Well, I think it all comes down to having the courage to make a change, to choose yourself, to live the life you've imagined. Cause we all have dreams, but again, so very few of us actually act on those dreams and the ones that do act on those dreams tend to be the happiest and the most fulfilled. And you write about discovering the freedom of deciding who you want to be. So how have you carried those lessons with you to the present day? And how is life today for you? Because this is the story of you in 2020. It's 2023 now. How are you today? I mean, I definitely don't have all the answers. Um, but I you know, my, my, my life looks very different than it did back then. We moved up to Scotland uh, as a family where the pace is slightly slower. There's a lot more greenery. There's plenty of places to go stand up paddleboarding in the freezing cold if I want to. <laughs> um, and, you know, my, my work life is like pretty unrecognizable. I kind of describe it when people ask me what I do. I'm like, well, I have six jobs. None of them are full time. I just do a lot of different things. And that's true. So Kinlock Lodge, where I did my final internship, um, the oh. hotel and restaurant on the Isle of Skye, they have never once asked me back to waitress because I was very, very bad <laughs> at it. But they did approach me at the end of 2021. And they said, it's our 50th anniversary next year. We want to write a cookbook and we want you to write it with us. Would you like to do that? And so I spent a lot of my 2022 uh, interviewing the people that dive for scallops on the Isle of Skye and uh, that rope farm mussels and that grow the produce and learning about mushrooms and whiskey and going foraging and, you know, all kinds of really cool stuff. And that was like a project that I did last year. I'm still working with Harry. So I've got some art stuff in the mix. I still do a bit of my old job and I'm writing, which turns out I really love. I loved writing this book. And you're good at it too. You're really good. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, I'm trying my hand at a novel and thinking about, do I want to write another, you know, nonfiction book or memoir? What would that be like? And so, you know, there's some of these are opportunities I'm chasing. Some are things that are just presenting themselves to me, but no two days are the same. And I regularly am in situations where I am not a hundred percent sure what I'm doing. And I love that. You know, you're talking in the word that just keeps coming to mind when I hear you speak is limitless. You are limitless because you have not put any, we are all limitless, but we all put so many limits on our own lives. You have lifted those limits. You are limitless. And it's so inspiring. And in 2023, I am trying every episode, if I can, to leave my listeners with what I'm calling a takeaway tip. What is what is something from the book that they can take and implement in their own lives today to make their lives a little bit better? So I'm going to ask you, what is one thing my listeners can do today to potentially begin their own what if year? I think that your listeners should think about something that really scares them and then they should do it. And I think that is a, I think that feeling that comes after 
trying something, even if you fail at it, that is a little bit scary to you is extremely empowering. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's skateboarding. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I I don't know. There's so many things that could potentially, I'm, I'm really afraid of frogs, right? Maybe it's like holding a frog. That's the one, that's the one fear that I have not yet been able to get over even after my, what if year, you know, maybe it is learning a language or doing something artistic, like painting something, whatever it is, think about what it really scares you. And you think "Mm, I could never do that. And, and then go and do it to the extent that you can. Uh, And I think just trying, just getting that little hit of like, oh, okay, maybe I could do this. I think it is just so, so it's worth its weight in gold. And, you know, life Mm -hmm. puts lots and lots of practical limits on us every day. And so as far as I'm concerned, there should be none, no, no imaginary ones as far as you can take it, because life is going to throw plenty of practical ones on you. So don't make additional ones in your own head. You know, you, you know, just try to go for it to the extent that you can. So go do something scary. And then tell me about it. I want to hear what it is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And my last question for you is the last question I ask all of my guests. And it's really a chance for you to say what you hope readers take away from the book. So what do you hope a reader of the what if year closes the book and they exhale? And what do you hope they're taking away with them? Do you know, it's really funny. The other, uh, a few weeks ago, we hit number one in new releases for job hunting on Amazon. And I was like terrified because I was like, oh God, I hope nobody reads this book as a job hunting guide because that's not going to be their takeaway. Um, You know, I tried to write a book that I would want to read. I I enjoy something that is uh, lighthearted and entertaining. I hope people have laughed while they were reading it. I hope they have enjoyed it. I hope they have felt inspired. I mean, I know that sounds like lofty, but God, that would be amazing to help inspire oh, people that happened, to realize sure. their own potential. And, you know, I, I, I hope they ask themselves that question. I hope they ask themselves, what if, because it has been incredible to me, even in just, you know, the book's not even out yet as we record this, but some people have read early copies and to hear from so many people, how much it has resonated with them and how it has made them question their own what ifs. That is like, just the ultimate joy. So that I really hope that people read it and they think about the what ifs in their own life and maybe they decide to pursue them. This is one of my favorite books of the year. The book is called My What If Year. It's out February 7th. What a delight. Even even through my sickness and coughing, even through the lawn man showing up. I hope that didn't get on the mic. I didn't hear it. (laughs) Good. The lawn man was here for half of our conversation. You know what? I just like you in COVID, I was not to be deterred. We were having this interview and it was a delight to have you here today. Thank you so much for being here. I loved every minute, Rachel. Thank you. Alicia, thank you for this book. Thank you for this chat. And thank you for your courage to just go for it. May we all follow suit and embark on our own what if years this year. The book is again, my what if year. It's out right now. You will love this book listeners. We'll be back soon with more interesting and inspiring conversations and another memoirist, which I think you will love to hear from. Happy Valentine's Day, and don't forget to love yourself enough to say yes to the life you've been dreaming of.